On Monday, May 1st, 2023, a missing and endangered alert was issued for two missing teens in Oklahoma. This was the info that was given at the time. 14-year-old Ivy Webster and 16-year-old Brittany Brewer was last seen Monday at an address in Henrietta, Oklahoma. It is believed that they are with Jesse McFadden. The police are asking for help from the public. This is an urgent situation. Jesse McFadden, 39, is a pedophile. These girls are far from safe with him. They could be traveling in a 2007 white Chevy Avalanche with Oklahoma tags. Hello, everyone. I'm Linda Hubert, and thank you for listening to Beware True Crime. If you could just take a minute and hit your like, share, follow, and subscribe buttons, I would really appreciate it. Now, this case has trigger warnings, so please listen with care. Well, buckle up and let's get to it. In 2023, Jesse McFadden was convicted of raping a 16-year-old, Crystal Strong. McFadden pled no contest, took an alpha plea, and was sentenced to 20 years in jail. Strong said she was diagnosed with PTSD, she couldn't keep her relationship, and they told her she wouldn't be able to have children. Thank goodness that wasn't the case. In October of 2004, McFadden wrote a letter to the judge that had sentenced him, asking for a sentence modification. In the letter, McFadden says, quote, There is no changing the past. The future is all ha- I have left for me, so that I can change my ways and become a better person, unquote. The letter goes on to say, quote, I'd like to get out and prove that I have changed and am and am a better person, unquote. A month later, the judge denied his motion for sentence modification. In 2012, McFadden's attorney filed an application for post-conviction relief or a motion to withdraw his plea. Jesse got out of prison in October 2020. The Oklahoma Department of Corrections put out a statement explaining that inmates receive credits for things like behavior, attitude, education, and hygiene. And once Jesse reached 85% of his time, his credits were applied and he was released. So it seemed like he was well behaved in prison, except he wasn't. He was accused of exchanging exchanging nude photos and videos with an underage girl from the Jess Dunn Correctional Center. For this crime, he was charged with soliciting sexual communication with a minor and possession and distribution of juvenile content. However, McFadden was released from prison on October 30th, four years earlier than he was scheduled, according to the Oklahoma Sex Offender Registry. 
He was rearrested in November 2020, but was released on a $25,000 bond pending trial. His trial was re repeatedly delayed. Around the beginning of 2021, he moved in with Holly Guess. Holly had three children before she met Jesse. Riley Elizabeth Allen, James Michael James Mayo, and Tiffany Dor Guess. All these kids would have been teenagers when Holly and Jesse got together. Holly and Jesse got married in secret in May 26, 2022. They got married at the courthouse. They didn't tell it their family until Christmas Eve of 2022. They held a wedding party on Christmas Eve, and they celebrated then. Brittany Brewer and Ivy Webster were friends with Holly's daughter Tiffany, who was 13. The two girls had gone to Tiffany's house for a sleepover for the weekend. This was a regular occurrence, according to their family. The families have since said that they had no idea about Jesse's past. Ivy's mother spoke to the news about the last communication she had from Ivy's phone. I got a message the next morning, Sunday morning, and that was from her phone, but I don't believe it was from her anymore. Says that they were going to McAllister and she would be home later. Justin Weber, Ivy's father, said, we think Jesse wrote that. Jesse was on the sex offender registry, but the parents of both Ivy and Brittany were not aware of it. And according to Ivy's father, Jesse, it was, he was never listed on the website. On May 1st of 2023, Jesse was due to appear in court for charges related to the one that he got in trouble for while he was in prison. He didn't show up. Seven bodies were discovered at the property on Monday morning, a frantic search for two teenagers who failed to return home from the sl slumber party with a friend. Ivy and Brittany's family reported them missing on Monday. They didn't get a response from any texts or calls. The first call was logged in at 10 a.m. and the police went to the McFadden's home on an attempt to locate call. They stayed for 19 minutes before leaving. A relative of Holly's made a second call, and the caller said that she had not been able to get in contact with Holly or her kids since April 28th. The final police radio call is at 2.22, when they got a search warrant to enter the property. That is when they found seven bodies. The victims were identified as McFadden's wife, Holly Guess, 35, her children, Riley Elizabeth Allen, 17, Michael James Mayo, 15, Tiffany Dore Guess, 13, as well as the other two teenagers, Ivy Webster, 14, and Brittany Brewer, 15, both of whom were friends with Tiffany Guess. Jesse had used a 9mm handgun to murder his family and the two teenage girls. The victims were moved and it looked like Jesse wanted to stage a scene. Ivy, Brittany, and Riley were found separately 
about 150 yards apart from each other, about a quarter of a mile southeast of the McFadden's residence. Each of the girls had been shot once in the head. The other four were found together about 500 yards from the home and Mc, that McFadden was renting. Tiffany and Michael had been shot twice in the head. Holly had been shot three times in the head. The gun Jesse used had been purchased by Holly in 2022. Police stayed at the property that day for about five and a half hours. There's been some questions as to how Holly knew about Jesse's past. Holly's mother said that the family only learned about his criminal history early in 2023. Holly's mother said, he lied to my daughter. He convinced her it was a huge mistake. My daughter loved her children, and yes, she married the man who killed them, but she was fooled by his charm. He was also very, very controlling, not only with Holly, but the children. I hurt just like the other families, but he took my whole world from me. She told News Nation that Jesse hired an actress to impersonate the victim of his crime to tell Holly it was a misunderstanding. Apparently, the actress reached out to Holly's family after the murders and apologized for misleading them. Brittany's grieving mother told News Nation that her daughter, who had just turned 15 last week, and Ivy had gone to the McFadden's home for sleepovers with Tiffany. She said her daughter had been to McFadden's at least four other times since Christmas without any incident and that she was not aware of his convictions. She told me she'd call me later and I never heard anything from her which wasn't normal. I knew something was wrong because she wasn't answering. I tried to call. I got online on her Facebook. I tried calling her, video calling her, and I messaged her and she wouldn't respond. And it shows that she was online, but she wouldn't respond. So I knew something was wrong. She said, I've been trying, you know, sitting here all day trying to think positive thoughts. She's going to come home. She's going to come home. She's going to come home. But, you know, I didn't want to believe she was gone, and I still don't. The murders happened on Monday, and by Thursday, Ivy's family were angry. They hadn't been given any updates by the police. They went to McFadden's home to see what they could find out. Justin, Ivy's dad, spoke with the property owner and got permission to go into the house. It wasn't locked down from the police. He invited News 4 and Pastor Page to go along and view the horror and video it. You can go on News 4 to see the video. I watched a video and I'll try to explain the horror that News 4 showed. Keep in mind that Ivy's dad was with them. I can't imagine what he was feeling seeing this. In the living room, there was a twin bed laying on the floor. It had a pink pattern blanket laying across it. In the corner of the room, there were desk monitors and computer towers still hooked up to it. 
two additional computer towers and four desktop monitors were found throughout the house. Next to the living room was a bedroom where the bed frame had restraints bolted to it. The restraints still had the chains attached. There were shelves lined with witchcraft-related books. There was also sex and bondage devices throughout the room. About 10 feet away in the kitchen, there was another restraint bolted into the cabinets. There was a fresh lock and chain still attached to that one. The kitchen was filled with trash and sticky insect pads full of roaches, a human dog collar, handcuffs, drug paraphernalia, and weapons were sitting in the laundry room. There was a syringe still filled with a dark colored substance sitting in the room. There was also a check signed by one of the deceased victims, Holly Guest, for a local storage unit located at U-Lock Storage. There was even a unit number written on the check. Medication labeled as Jesse was also sitting out. As News 4 continued to follow the family in the house, someone called out they had found the cell phones tucked away in a cabinet. Everyone rushed into the laundry room where they, where the claim of cell phones were found. That's them, babe. That's them, said Justin. He put his phone camera over the top of the phones to see if one of the cell phones belonged to Ivy. That's hers, he shouted. Is it hers? His wife said, yep. Call the sheriffs. Don't touch them. Don't move them, said Ivy's grandmother. Justin immediately backed out of the room and called the sheriff's office to have an investigator come back out to the property to collect the cell phones. There was also two laptops found in the small cabinet as, as the same cabinet as the cell phones were. An investigator showed up to the house about 20 minutes later with a camera and evidence folders. My daughter was locked up here, right here, said Ivy's father. There you go, Justin said, pointing towards the phone. The investigators then snapped photos of the items and collected them as evidence. While he was taking snapshots, Justin was trying to understand why it took days to find and retrieve this evidence. That's what I just don't get. I know you guys are hurting too, and I know you have ha have a hell of a job to do. You saw you saw my my daughter dead, shot in the head, and I know what what you're seeing, and I know what you went through. But a lot of this stuff needs to be taken. You guys have to come back out here and do a whole nother sweep because you miss so much. There's medicine. There's drugs. Brand new locks that he put in. And there's the keys and the lock on the counter. Why are you not getting receipts and videoing these videos out of here? And I'm sorry, he says, I'm venting, but I want more done. The investigator was silent during all this, but then gave Justin an explanation as to why the items had not been collected before. The investigator said, quote, The problem is, I don't know what else to do. 
There's a story to be told, Justin said. Right, said the investigator. We don't know what happened, Justin said. The investigator said, The only person who can tell us what happened is dead, but we can try to piece things together. We are going we're going to open we're, we are open to any suggestions you can give us, said the investigator. Justin asked the investigator for a stronger investigation and requested that a sweep of the property be con conducted. The investigator told Justin that's something you're going to have to talk to somebody above my pay grade about. Another phone was discovered at the bedside nightstand. News 4 saw the investigator take it into evidence, the two laptops, four cell phones, and the drug paraphernalia. Though OSBI made a statement on Thursday after these discoveries were made. They said, We will continue to support and assist our law enforcement partners and we grieve with the families of this horrible event. The investigation is still ongoing. Justin went back to the house on Friday night, and he found more evidence. Justin found a list of names plus their birth dates. Ivy's family believes the list contains victims' names. There was bloody wet wipes that were also located in the home. According to Justin, in Jesse's room, Justin claimed he found five more phones and more drug paraphernalia in the closet. The police did end up searching the storage unit, but they said it was just pool supplies and there wasn't anything of real concern there. Later in May, search warrants were made public, but a lot of the information in the documents was found to be false or just flat out wrong. One of the document documents said they were made aware of a missing person case involving a 14-year-old female named Tiffany Guess. Tiffany was never missing. As such, she lived at the property. The, the documents also stated that an Amber Alert was issued for Tiffany and Ivy. It was actually a missing and in danger alert that was issued for Ivy and Brittany. Tiffany was never in the notification. Court documents also say that Tiffany's father was interviewed on the property. That's not so. It was Justin, Ivy's father. The, the documents also listed the wrong addresses for the McFadden house. An article by KFOR on May 17, 2003, gave a possible motive for the murders. Jesse allegedly spoke to his mother on April 30th and told her that he was not going back to prison and that he had decided to kill himself. According to screen grabs of messages forwarded to KOKI in Tulsa by the young woman McFadden had groomed from prison, he said he was having success as a, at a marketing job and making great money. Now it's all gone, he texted. I told you I wouldn't go back. This is all on you for continuing this. The district attorney, Larry Edwards, said the young woman shared the text messages with him. Quote, 
they are tragic. Let's just say that he was more or less blaming her for what he did. And that's the part I really have a problem with. Because she didn't do anything wrong, Edwards told the Tulsa base TV. More information has come out about the checks that Jesse underwent as a sex offender. We're starting to learn about the checking system, like how the authorities check on a dangerous sex offender who's released back into society. I don't, you better have pour a drink for this. Jesse McFadden was required to check in every 90 days, okay? That sounds pretty good. I'd be happy with that. But you see the top line there? Self check-ins. Self check-ins. He did them. He himself came to the Sheriff's Department in June and September, December, March. March was just a couple months ago, 2023. That's him going to them, not them going to his dungeon with all those restraints and filthy things and sex toys and, you know, chains on the kitchen counter connected like drilled into the kitchen counter, you know, like computers everywhere. Sheriffs apparently didn't have to go there. This is what's just so maddening. This is a habitual and aggravated sex offender. And KFOR, our affiliate, discovered that these self-check-ins happened on those four dates. And during those visits, this is what the deputies would have to confirm. Your mailing address, physical address, and phone number. Department of Corrections ID number, all occupants at the home address, all vehicles that you drive, and your current employment. But you rely on the offender, a felon, a child rapist, to give you all that stuff. Did he really tell them who the occupants were in his home? Oh, I just married a girl with three teenagers. According to the records, uh, one of the home visits, June 24th of last year, we're not sure if it was because of a complaint but it's the same stuff. Just, you know, tell us your basic, you know, mailing address and vehicles and employment. Here's what's the craziest. The sheriffs, if they come to the home, are not legally allowed to enter the home if he says they can. And if they are welcomed into the home, they're not allowed to enter into rooms if doors are closed. What? What's the actual point here? What's a sex offender going to want to show you in the bedrooms that have, you know, restraints? There was a second call, a complaint-like call, an anonymous female called in January of this year expressing concern that McFadden was living with three underage kids, but since those kids were not his previous victims, there was no follow-up check. This is where I bring in Phil Waters. He's a retired homicide detective, spent 33 years in law enforcement, investigating more than 400 homicide cases. Get me off the ledge, Phil, if it's even possible. Well, thanks for having me back, Ashley, but I will tell you, I think I'm on the ledge with you on this one. Uh, you know, it's always uh, disturbing, and for me, uh, I have a personal interest in this particular case. I was raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, about an hour north of Henrietta, so I'm familiar with the area. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I, this is one of these cases that there is such a failure with just the system itself. Uh, when I listen to you talk about these checks and these random checks and these, where he's coming in and saying, hey, yeah, I'm still around and I'm at the white place I told you I was last time. And when they go to the house, they're, they're, uh, there's a barrier in the law that allows them to really do a, a proper check 
commensurate with his uh, particular uh, registration as a sex offender. So all I can t- all I can tell you is is that this is just a an example of a tremendous failure of the system in trying to protect the criminal and. Uh, it's just, it's heartbreaking uh, now that we know what the results are of this yeah, particular. Like I was, I have to be honest, Phil, I was really g- gently surprised uh, to see, well, good. They had four quarterly checks, June, September, December, March. So he was keeping on track with the 90 day check-ins. But to hear that the system allows for, you know, look, you know, in your business that sex offenders are some of the most manipulative people and they allow them just to come on into the sheriff's department and let us know you're doing okay. They don't check the home for any evidence that there might be recidivist crime happening. Like, is this a, is this a a resources issue or is this just laziness or could it be both? Well, I, I think they're operating within the scope of the law. I, I do not know what the law is in Oklahoma uh, related to the, the check-ins for set registered sex offenders. So, it, but looking at this and what you have already detailed here about some of the restrictions, it, it seems to me that the the Oklahoma Oklahoma legislature needs to get on the ball here and make some real drastic changes involving these particular violators. Thank you for watching. The length of time listed for Jesse living with Holly and her children were at least two years. A complainant call was made to the sheriff's office on January 29, 2023. The anonymous female caller said they believed Jesse was living with underage children. The woman asked, that the complainant be documented and looked into. Dispatcher notes showed Jesse's information was run through the sex offenders registry in which Holly was confirmed to be his fiance and the three kids were hers. There was also information obtained from Jesse from that Jesse had 10 violations while in prison between 2004 and 2016. These included sexual acts and intoxication. Jesse's rape victim, Crystal Strong, has spoken to the media about how she tried to stop his early release. She said, I called the jail. I believe I left a voicemail, voice message, and I tried to get transferred, and I kept getting the runaround. I told them, look, I've called you guys over over and over the years several times trying to get updates and I've seen that you guys are still going to let him out even after you found contraband child porn on his phone if this doesn't show that somebody isn't rehabilitated then I don't know what else would she said I begged the DA a long time ago not to ever let him out of prison because I knew that he would do something like this to someone else these babies are never going to live their life now because of this, said Strong, because he was able to go get married and live his life and just do all these great things. There's no reason why a monster should have been let out. 
Ivy's father told News Nation. If I can tell Ivy's story and get our government officials and everybody start talking out loud about keeping Miss Pedophiles in jail, the sexual registry does not work. It does not work at all. Oklahoma failed to protect families, and because of that, my children, my daughter, and my grandchildren are all gone, Holly's mother told the Associated Press. I've lost my daughter and my grandchildren, and I'm never going to be able to see them again, never going to hold them. It's just killing me, she said. Unfortunately, this deviant runs in the family. Jesse's brother, Cody McFadden, is also a convicted felon who served time in state prison on a handful of charges, including three counts of assault with a deadly weapon. He was released in 2020 and charged two years later with kidnapping and domestic violence. Court records show that Cody McFadden was charged with kidnapping and assault. In December, a federal judge found him unfit to stand trial and ordered him committed to an institution. Deputies from the Pittsburgh County, Oklahoma, were responding to a domestic violence call July 17, 2022, when they encountered an injured woman. She was bleeding from her arms, her legs, her head, and her back. She was covered in bruises and had a broken broken arm. She told the deputies her attacker had beat her with a pole, shoved her in a dog's cage, where she he hit her with pepper spray, shocked her with jumper cables, and stuck her head and then struck her head with an axe. After a brief standoff with the deputies, McFadden allegedly allegedly lit his home on fire and tried to sneak out the back. He was arrested. The Henrietta Public Schools released a statement saying that it is grieving over the tragedy of the loss of several of our students. Our hearts are hurting and we have considered what would be best for our students in the coming days. The The school system said classes will take place but mental health services are available to students. Please continue to keep these families in your thoughts and prayers. Pastor Page spoke to News 4 about his community has looked like since the murder-suicide. He walked through the McFadden house with Ivy's family and News 4 three weeks ago. If law enforcement would have seen what my eyes had seen, It didn't take a rocket scientist to know that this is bigger than just something that happened locally, said Paige. Thank God they asked me to go with them because I couldn't imagine what they would have endured if I had not been there with them. It was bad enough even with me there, but I thank God that I was allowed to walk through those days with them. Paige said it has been hard being bombarded with media requests, but that he was ready to talk. Something I want to go on the record to say is that Henrietta is a good town. We've got a lot of good people here. We are not a town of vicious monsters, as it would appear. 
what happened here is extremely out of the ordinary. Moving forward, he doesn't want his community, parents, or law enforcement to turn a blind eye to evil. I want to take this moment to say this. Parents, investigate where your children go. Every adult, I don't care if it's an adult Sunday school teacher, I don't care if it's a pastor. If your child is going to be with them outside of your presence, pull a background check because we can't just grieve. That is what happened and we can't just wish it hadn't happened, but then move forward and not take any proactive stance to come against it. Paige said there isn't just one person to point the finger of blame at in this situation. He told KFOR a big part of it through his unchecked sins, which leads back to law enforcement. Paige asked that everyone following the Henrietta murder-suicide continue to pray for all those affected. Ivy's father hopes the entire ordeal leads to harsher criminal penalties for sex offenders, especially those who target children. The sexual offender registry doesn't work. I think there needs to be ac action taken. There needs to be repercussions and someone needs to be held accountable. They let a monster out and he did this. I agree with the pastor and the families. Things need to change. We need to protect our children. If you see something, say something and then follow through to make sure something was done. If you know there's a predator in your area, let other parents know. We have got to protect our children. Thank you for taking time to listen to Beware True Crime. I'm Linda Hubert, and if you could please take a minute and share, like, follow, and su subscribe, I would really appreciate it. We have to let everyone know that things like this are happening. Until next time, beware. Thank you.